0: Welcome to Bear State Tale episode number two. I'm your host Matt Manos and I've got a buoy of a knife tale for you tonight. The tale tonight is centered around the knife made famous by James Bowie. Our tale begins in an area in northeast Arkansas close to Jacksonport. Jacksonport is a steamboat town founded by Thomas Tunstall in 1834. Now Jacksonport today is home to a state park And you should go check it out if you get a chance. They have a beautiful new visitor center, a historic courthouse, and I think somewhere around 20 campsites all nestled along the confluence of the White River and the Black River. So how are James Bowie and Thomas Tunstall connected? There are myths and legends all throughout that time period. And one of the myths is that Thomas Tunstall was actually the steamboat captain that picked Bowie up after the famous sandbar fight. One of the things we're going to see in a minute is that Tunstall was pretty famous for his hospitality. In fact, there are several stories of him taking in weary or sick travelers or injured travelers, taking them to his Batesville estate, and nursing them back to health. Legend has it that he did this very thing for James Bowie after the sandbar fight. That would have made them fairly close friends. Even if that's not where they linked up, it's also possible that that legend comes from, at some point, Bowie falling ill and Thomas Tunstall taking him in just the same. If you want to get down to it, even if all the legends are wrong, John Bowie, The oldest of the Bowie brothers sold Thomas Tunstall a parcel of property in Chico County in 1828. In fact, Tunstall and John Bowie were neighbors from 1828 to 1832. I think that it's likely that the Tunstalls and the Bowie's knew each other in multiple ways. One of the things that you have to remember, and it can be hard to think about, is that travel was not the same as it was today. Tunstall being a steamboat captain, Actually, owning several steamboats made it likely that at some point the buoys had traveled on the steamboats that Tunstall was captaining. This would have been a longer journey than something that we're used to in, say, an airplane where you get to wave at the captain on the way out. They would have been living together, dining together, and so it would have been likely that they spent quite a bit of time around each other. They must have been fairly close for Tunstall to have become in possession of one of these buoy knives. This relationship between Thomas Todd Tunstall and the Bowie brothers is at the heart of our legend tonight. At some point, Reason and James visited Thomas Todd Tunstall at his residence in Batesville. Before leaving, they presented him with a knife. Not much is known about Thomas Todd Tunstall receiving the knife. We actually get this information from a diary entry. Enter Sheldon Kellogg. Sheldon Kellogg was a businessman and a successful one at that. On a business trip to Arkansas, Kellogg fell ill and was taken care of by, you guessed it, Thomas Todd Tunstall. He gained possession of a Bowie knife on his final day. Kellogg noted the day in his diary, and this is what he said about it. Tunstall procured me a light country wagon with a tattered and torn cover, and a man that knew how to drive, and a good horse. Getting my trunk on board to sit upon, with some $15,000 in United States bank notes in a belt around my body, We were ready to leave. All the family assembled closely about the wagon to say a last word, to shake hands, and to give me encouraging goodbyes. At the last moment, Tunstall asked if I had any pistols with me. I told him that I had one in each of my trouser pockets. Let's look at them, he said. So I showed him at once. They are of no account. Not the least, Tunstall said. You might shoot at me all day with that thing and wouldn't hurt me. Wait a moment. Tunstall stepped back into the house and in a moment or so returned with a formidable knife in his hand, saying a line that could be straight out of a movie. The diary entry continues. Tunstall said, There is something that won't misfire. No flash in the pan. He pulled the knife from its sheath before admiring eyes and said, That knife was made especially for me by Reason Bowie, and you'll find that it is first-rate stuff. Accept it from me with good wishes for a safe return to Cincinnati. What a gift on the way out. So to get a picture of it, you've got Sheldon Kellogg, apparently a very wealthy man with $15,000 rolled up in his belt, leaving without any kind of a good weapon. And here goes Thomas Todd Tunstall, who had already gone above and beyond taking care of this guy and he brings him out a Bowie knife. The knife probably would have faded into his obscurity if not for the fall of the Alamo on March 6, 1836. There, James Bowie died along with approximately 180 defenders. James Bowie had been sent to raise the Alamo, but instead became co-commander of it. Outnumbered by an insurmountable amount of Mexican forces, the garrison was overrun, and James Bowie would write the final chapter of the Bowie knife. Legend has it that Bowie was sick and bedridden when the Alamo fell. He was said to have fought to the death with two pistols and the now notorious Bowie knife. This death would have happened three years after his stay with Tunstall and only two years after Tunstall had given the knife to Kellogg. Kellogg, being a successful businessman and never missing an opportunity, went out and had the significant knife engraved. One side dictates the knife being given by Colonel Bowie to Thomas Tunstall, The other side is engraved with information about Tunstall giving it to him, Sheldon Kellogg. I could have stopped the recorder right there and we would have had a pretty good Bear State tale. But the story continues. Enter Colonel C. Burton Saunders. Colonel Saunders was what you might call a renaissance man. He was a banker, a U.S. marshal, and was most famous for his marksmanship. He was also a collector of 19th century frontier relics. And on a trip to San Francisco in 1940, Colonel Saunders ran across the Tunstall Bowie Knife. It already had the engravings on it, and it also came with Sheldon Kellogg's diary as providence. He brought the knife into his collection, and at his death in 1952, he left money for a museum to be built with his collection in Berryville. The Saunders Museum opened in May of 1956, and is the home of the Tunstall Bowie Knife. But the story doesn't stop there. It comes full circle. In 2013, the Saunders Museum loaned the Bowie Knife to Jacksonport State Park to go on display as a centerpiece in their courthouse museum. It resided there for a little over a year, and it was returned back to the Saunders Museum. So we've got some time left after that awesome Bear State tale, and I thought it would be neat to do some question and answering, and to help me with that is my producer, uh, Kristen. She's come in tonight to... Read off some of the questions that you guys sent in after the last podcast.
1: I'm excited about the questions that we have today. Are you? I am. Are you ready for the first question? I am. All right. First one says, hey, Matt, where is your favorite place to hike in Arkansas?
0: So there are a couple of trails that come to mind when you ask me that question. Village Creek has a really neat trail. The old military trail that runs through there, that's a lot of fun to hike. It's big. It's wide. It's great if you have kids or dogs. I will say, if you go in the middle of summer, make sure you bring some tick spray.
1: Have we done that one together?
0: We have. We got loaded up with ticks because we didn't spray any tick spray on. Oh,
1: yeah. I didn't remember that. Okay. Yeah, that was a great trail.
0: So, I bet in the fall, the ticks are not nearly as bad like late fall over the winter. But even still, you can throw on some tick spray and hike anywhere, anytime. So, next question.
1: All right. Let's do the next question. Uh, Your favorite legend in Arkansas.
0: No, oh, well, I'm not going to give too much info on this because definitely there's going to be a podcast on that. And most folks who know me probably know where I'm going with this. Petty Jean. So Petty Jean is absolutely surrounded in legends. There's three or four good legends. I will definitely be doing a podcast on that in the near future.
1: I think that's a great yeah. idea. All right. Our next question. In the last podcast, you made some comments about not believing in paranormal activities. Is that true?
0: No, it's not what I said. What me and BT both said was that we had never personally experienced anything like that. So I've spent a lot of time in some places that you might think would have that kind of stuff going on and never seen anything. That doesn't mean tomorrow I'm not going to be walking around at night or in the day or something like that and, and have some kind of experience. But it definitely hasn't ever happened to me yet.
1: I feel like that's fair.
0: Yeah. I mean, who doesn't want to have a ghost or something walk up to them? That'd be freaking cool.
1: I think it'd be cool. What about you? You had any? Hmm, I don't...
0: That was not a no.
1: That was not a no. So... <laughs> When I hiked the trail at Crowley's, actually, don't ask me the name of that trail because I don't remember. But the
0: Dancing Spider Rabbit. I don't remember. I can't remember it,
1: But it had a building off to the side and people had gone and rummaged through it and they pulled some stuff up by the trail itself, like dressers. And- so it's
0: not inside the park. It's outside the park, but the park runs right next to it. Right. Yeah. Yes.
1: That's what happened. And I, I actually went down that trail and I just got this really eerie feeling. So I I don't know if that qualifies as paranormal. Yeah, exactly. I don't know if that qualifies as paranormal, but I definitely got this weird, Like I've never felt anything like that come over me. And I was like, I think I'm just going to go finish hiking and, and leave this alone.
0: There's honestly, for me, probably only a handful of people in the entire state of Arkansas who spent more time, outside, especially at night, in kind of some weird conditions with all of the storms that I've uh, photographed. So, you know, I go out and do the lightning photography, and honestly, you would think that I would see something.
1: Maybe your presence isn't right. Maybe you have a too bold of a presence that they're just like, "Mm, probably not.
0: It's probably a good idea. Get after it. I'm just saying. (laughs) lol jocko tea I drink
1: that's what it is how did you know okay so we had another question about matt what are some good spots for proposals oh, ooh geez. how romantic
0: well i mean i'm fond of underneath a tree on a trail i mean that's just personally for me that worked pretty well
1: that was a very romantic yeah. spot i
0: right think <laughs> There, there are some great places inside of Arkansas state parks, or even just Arkansas in general. I think you'd have a lot of trouble beating Hawksbill's Craig. That's a awesome spot here in Arkansas. You know, there's some romantic places. I think you think of Hot Springs or Eureka Springs is very romantic. There's probably several places there that you could pick out. Lake Catherine has some beautiful spots. It so got that waterfall. Yes. yes. So there's all kinds of great spots. I think probably the best thing you do, if that's something you're looking at, scout it out. Get out. Take your soon-to-be, hopefully, fiance out for some hikes and figure out her favorite spot or his favorite spot. And that would be a great spot to do it.
1: I was just thinking the same thing because most of those spots are sentimental and that's what makes it so romantic. So I think that's a great idea. That's a good suggestion.
0: I'm trying to think of all the spots we went while we were dating. We hiked a lot at Mount Nebo. We hiked at Petty Jean. Uh, we dug for diamonds.
1: That was pretty fun.
0: That's a whole nother story sometime we'll have to tell.
1: That's a good one.
0: Yeah, I took 8 million pictures of a duck at Logali.
1: You got some great pictures <laughs> in your defense, so I don't know how mad you could be it, at that.
0: They were very photogenic ducks. They were
1: photogenic ducks,
0: yes. Let's see. I know we hike some other places, but at the moment, it escapes me.
1: Arkansas, is such a beautiful place. It's it's really hard to, which is not helpful, but it's really hard to narrow down specific spots. Like you said, sentimental spots to you, maybe your first few dates, or something you did a lot together, or if you just go to beautiful spots randomly, uh, you know that would be.
0: Now, if you ask me the spot in Arkansas that had the most proposals. That's a totally different question. I would say the CCC overlook at Petty Jean.
1: Oh, that's such a great spot at
0: sunset. Yes. Oh my gosh. You know, sometimes 30 or 40 people pile up into that, but that is a, one of the most beautiful spots in Arkansas to watch the sunset.
1: Definitely. Dear Bear State Tales. What is some good options for families to go Hike slash hang out together. Gosh,
0: that one. There's so many places. You know, we got a couple of big museums here in Arkansas with the Children's Museum. Is that in Little Rock? It is. And then Arkansas Game of Fish has some awesome nature centers. They've got one in Jonesboro. They've got one in Fort Smith. There's one in Little Rock. I think I'm forgetting one. It's somewhere down south. But they've got lots of hands-on stuff for the smaller kids. They've got all kinds of cool fish and reptiles for the medium-sized kids. And overall, there's just a lot of information there. I know the ones I've been in have had some kind of a movie theater that kind of explained the terrain that you were in. So if you go to Crowley's Ridge, it will talk about Crowley's Ridge. If you're at Fort Smith, I think it talks a lot about the prairies. So that that's a pretty neat thing. It's awesome to go and just have fun. And we've got places in Arkansas for that. You know, you can go to Magic Springs. Or... It's also fun sometimes to have places that have some educational opportunities on uh, It's kind of the difference between a regular cartoon and watching Sesame Street.
1: Right. I like the the one at Jonesboro you were talking about uh, because that's where we visited frequently with our kid. And she absolutely loves to see all the animals and just loves to learn. She learns something new every time she goes. But not only is it informational, it also has this really cool walking trail. There's several, I'm sure, actually. But there's one that just does a little bitty loop, but it goes outside and you see the lakes and All of that, that's really close by. So it's easy for a younger kid to walk and see and discover. Are you ready for your next question? I am ready. All right. Dear Bear State Tales, your podcast is pretty great. Where do you find your inspiration?
0: I never saw myself having some kind of a podcast. I know that's going to surprise some people because they think I like to hear myself talk. First of all, let me tell you, after editing a couple of podcasts... Not easy to do.
1: I don't believe you. Right? <laughs> you're right here, you're yeah,
0: basically, where the motivation or inspiration for this podcast came from was that I've heard all of these awesome stories throughout my life. I've had some very important storytellers in my life. My grandmother being one of them. That I've learned a lot about the art of telling stories. And so one of the things that I'm hoping to be able to do is take my knowledge of storytelling and grab some folks that have some great stories to tell and help them get those stories out there. And deep down, and I'll try to say this without getting misty, I want to be able to pass those stories on to my daughter someday. I know I've heard all these stories and I've probably forgotten tons of them. And so if I can get some of these storytellers on audio and get them to tell these stories, then someday maybe my daughter can listen to them and learn from them and enjoy them. And I thought, you know, if I want to do that, there are probably other people out there who would like to hear some of these stories and be able to pass them on for their kids. And you know what? I think that's all I have for today.
1: I think that's a perfect ending for today's session.
0: All right. Well, thanks everybody for tuning in. Uh, I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Our next podcast should be coming out sometime in March. This one will come out in a few days here in February. And if you have any folks that you know that you think need to be on Bear State Tales, or if you have a story you think I need to cover on Bear State Tales, you can get a hold of me in a couple of different ways. There's a Twitter. So you can always get a hold of me on Twitter. It's Bear State Tales. Go check out the Twitter. (laughs) Uh, There's a Facebook the Facebooky. Uh, so uh, check it out on the Facebook. Or there's an Instagram. I would say probably out of three, Facebook and Twitter are probably the best ways if you have a message or something that you want to pass along to us. And if you have some kind of Bear State tale that you think needs to be told. Thanks, everyone.